Looks like it was a success. So way to go. And oh, hey, thanks for being here today. I appreciate you. Uh, the few of you who chose to be here, this is awesome. Um, I, I just, you know what, every time we get together, whether there's a lot of us or a little of us, it's just good to be together as a church and experience this thing together. And so thank you, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for choosing to be here today. Um, this, is, this is just cool what we get to do to worship together and sing together and grow and all that because we get to do it together, because each of us are here and a part of this. And so anyway, just glad you were here. Um, I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online as well. Thanks for tuning in. I uh, hope you caught a big walleye or whatever you're going for and that you're watching this message now. Um, if you live close enough to actually attend here in person, then we'd love if you would do that as well. So um, today we are almost through a series we've been in since Easter called This Changes Everything, talking about how Jesus Life, death, and resurrection changes so much about our lives. And, and here's just kind of the elevator pitch in case you're new today or in case maybe it's your first time watching online. What Jesus accomplished for us, when we put our trust in Jesus, we are made completely and totally right with God. And because we are completely and totally right with God, now we have access to this incredible, fulfilling, personal, one-on-one -on -one relationship with our Heavenly Father where He changes us on the inside, and that produces a change on the outside, or at least that's the intended goal from God's perspective, is that you and I would be changed in a relationship with God that Jesus made possible, that Jesus absolutely does change everything. And so we've talked about the different ways this plays out in our life over the past past several weeks. If you have not, if you weren't here, you haven't caught up on those messages, you can view them on our YouTube channel and get caught up there. But this is what I want to talk about today. What changes? Money. Oh, and everybody's like, I'm so glad I showed up to church today for a money talk. Or not. Okay, well, real lively crowd. Here's what we're not going to talk about, okay? We're not going to talk about giving. This is not a giving message. Just everybody relax. You don't have to pretend like you're scrolling Instagram or something. You can actually listen, pay attention. Because Jesus changes everything about our approach to money. There is a new view of our money, not giving-related, in light of what Jesus has made possible. And I just want to jump right in today to what the Bible says for our lives as it relates to our old view versus our new view of money. And the Apostle Paul describes both so well in a letter he wrote to Timothy. He starts off with the old view and he says this, People who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, maybe even some of us here, some of us watching online, some people craving money, longing for money, working towards like this life goal of more money, whatever, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now this, even if you are not familiar with reading the Bible, this is pretty easy to understand, okay? And if you don't get what this is, then just go listen to the Notorious B.I.G. song, Mo Money, Mo Problems, okay? That's what this is right here. Mo Money, the pursuit of more money, all of that just causes more problems in our lives. And I think every single one of us have encountered this, that we've experienced this in our own lives. Now, maybe to different levels, right? We're all different personalities and upbringings, but every single one of us have trusted money to do something or provide something for us. And in the end, we were cheated as a result. It never came through that we, we experienced ruin or destruction. We've had many sorrows in our life 
as a result. Paul says this is the old way or just kind of the natural way that you and I view or our perspective on money. Then a couple sentences later, he shares a new view of money, a new approach. Again, in light of Jesus, he says this, teach those who are rich in this world. That's you and I. Everybody watching online, all of us here in the room, compared to everybody else in the world, that's us. We are all rich. Teach those who are rich in this world, us, not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Instead, their trust, our trust, should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Now, maybe or maybe not material enjoyment, I don't know how that all plays out, but enjoyment on the inside, a trust in God for fulfillment on the inside. He goes on to say this, because of that, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Because by doing this, by adopting this new view of money, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Here's the new view. Here's the new perspective. Here's the new way that we ought to think about our money in light of Jesus. Because you and I, when we put our trust in Jesus, because we now have access to our Heavenly Father, because we can have a relationship with Him where we are fulfilled on the inside, we no longer need to look to money for that fulfillment, for that satisfaction, for the ways that we think that it will, it will you know, make us secure, whatever it might be. Instead, we find all of that in God. And the result of finding that in God is that we can be generous in good works and generous with money and ready to share all those different things. And, and here's basically the, the two-sentence synopsis, okay, in case you fall asleep in the message. Here's the old view, is that we trust money to provide something for us that it never can. And the new view is that we trust God to provide for us what only he can. That's it, right there. Seems pretty simple, huh? But here's the problem I have, and here's the problem I'm guessing most of us have as well. I just don't believe God. You ever heard a pastor say that before? We like to be honest around here. I just don't believe what God says about money. I like to do things my own way. And not like, not like I don't believe in him at all. Up here, I believe him. Intellectually, I get it. I know that God's instructions for, for our lives are good and true and right and everything he says is perfect and holy and that God has my best interests in mind when he instructs us in these different ways of life. I know that I know that I know that God loves me. He has proved it to me so many different times in so many different ways, not the least of which was sending Jesus so that I could have access to him. I know, I, I'm absolutely convinced that God knows me even better than I know myself. That he knows the little deep, dark recesses of my heart. He knows my motives. He knows how little trust I have in him in certain areas. He knows my thoughts and how they affect my actions. He knows all of that. I know this is true. Absolutely. But I don't believe it, or at least not as much as I should, not as much as I want to. When I look at my spending habits, when I look at my bank accounts, when I look at the ways I handle money, there is a glaring difference in my life, and if we're honest with ourselves, probably all of our lives, in what God says and what that actually, how that belief 
plays out or doesn't play out. It's like there's this disconnect between my mind and my heart. Or as R. Kelly would say, my mind keeps telling me no, but my body, my body is telling me yes. Nobody here listens to 90s music. Okay, well, that was embarrassing. Um, that's, That's what I run to. What about you? Do you believe what God says about trusting him versus trusting your money? Do you really? You see, I think this is a struggle that every single one of us have. Whether we are young or old, whether we were brought up with a lot of money or little, whether we have a lot of money right now or little, this is, I think this is something that every single one of us have to deal with in different areas of our life. This, this search for contentment, this search for security, this search for peace, and, and we've been led to believe that that comes through money. And I think our view of money, our perspective on money, is one of the hardest things for God to change in most of our lives. Now, not because God isn't powerful enough. He can. He can do whatever he wants. But he gives us a free will. And sometimes our grip on money, or maybe more accurately, money's grip on us, is so tight, it is so strong, that it's almost like there's no room for God to even get in there and start changing us. And it's not that money's bad, okay? Sometimes I think, you know, the, the church sends this message, oh, money's bad, we just gotta, you know, be paupers. No, no, that's not it. Money can be a good thing, okay? Money, money in and of itself is neutral. We can use money to pay bills, to buy food, to be generous with. Money can, it's, it's not money itself, it's what we do with money. And Paul warns us, God warns us through Paul's word, it's the trusting in money that is the issue that we need to be aware of and work against. And sometimes the way, the way that we trust our money, we might not you know, readily admit that out, but it looks different for each of us, is the way that you and I trust money. Does it come out like this for you? Are we just greedy people? Now, I know none of us want to admit that, right? Greed is an ugly word. But just be honest with yourself. Am I greedy? Do I just want more? More, more, more. I just want to accumulate. I just want to attain. I just want to have a big bank account. Our dream is just to be this, you know, $100 million somewhere because then we think if our bank account's big enough, if we can accumulate enough, then I'll be happy, right? Then I'll be satisfied. And sometimes our grip on money is so tight because of greed in our lives. Is that you? Maybe for you, greed's not the thing. Okay, I got more suggestions. Is it envy? Maybe you don't need everything, right? Okay, I don't need all that. I don't need a mega yacht. I don't need to go to space with Jeff Bezos. But I do need a boat. I do need a new car. And we look around and we see what maybe our brother or sister has or our coworker or our neighbor or whatever. And, and inside, we feel a little cheated. We feel a little jealous. Yeah, I don't need everything. But if I could just have that newer thing, that bigger thing, that better thing, that faster thing, that thing with a bigger engine, then another pair of shoes, whatever it is for us, is envy the thing that is causing us to hold on to our money so tight? Is, is the way we trust our money the result of envy and jealousy? How about this one? Is it just fear? I mean, that's a very real thing in life. Is 
Did, did you grow up maybe not having a lot and, and, and you experienced financial difficulties or, or you've lost your job or you've lost your home and you just, you don't want to go through that again and so there's this fear inside, I have to prevent that from happening and so we, we hold on to money like a life jacket on the Titanic thinking that this will bring me security. If I can just hold on to this, I will be secure. Is fear causing us to put our trust in money? Maybe you could honestly say, nope, it's not greed, it's not envy, it's not fear. What is it? Is it this? I mean, are we just control freaks? I know I am. We want to make our own decisions. We want to call our own shots. We want to set the direction for our own life. And like in a world where so little is in our control, is money one of those few things that we hold on to that says, at least I can make decisions with this. At least I can dictate my own lifestyle. At least I can buy. At least I can control a small portion of my life. And maybe there's more than this. Okay, we're not going to spend all day filling the screen with, with options. But like if, if you had to say for your own life, for my life, which one of these things causes us to trust in our money? Is it greed? Is it envy? Is it fear? Is it control? Which one is it for you? Can I share which one it is for me? It's this one right here. It's all of them. It's all of them and probably even more than that, that there are times in my life where sometimes it's one of them, sometimes it's a mixture of them, but it's, these are these voices in my head that keep distracting me from trusting God and pulling my mind and my heart back to just try money again. Just a little bit more. Just another purchase. Just a little bit more in the bank. Just a little bit more in a retirement account, whatever it is. All of these things keep me from putting more of my trust in God and keep me locked in this cage of trusting money. What about you? See, here's, here's the big question for today, right? We know the old view of money, and we even know that, you know, kind of the, the new view that God calls us to in light of Jesus. We know some of the reasons why we don't transfer our trust over to God. But the question we've all got to answer is how do we make a change, right? I mean, the rubber meets the road. How do you and I shift our trust from money which God says is so unreliable, and put our trust in him. How do we say no to the mirage that money fools us with and instead experience fulfillment and contentment and satisfaction in God? And this is where I think sometimes churches, pastors, well-meaning Christians, we've probably even done it in the past too, where we say things like this. Okay, well, if you want to not trust money so much, just start giving, Right? Just start giving, just start tithing, give some of your money away, and man, you'll just experience this change on the inside. Or maybe you've heard the analogy or seen somebody say, you know, we've got our, our money gripped so tightly, and when we're holding on to it so tight, there's no room for God to get in, and so loosen your grip, let some money go, and then God can come in and work in our lives. And like, maybe, maybe that's true. I definitely know giving is a good idea. It's better to give than receive, all of that sort of stuff. But that's just a Band-Aid. That's just addressing the symptoms. And I think sometimes, maybe even some of us here, we've tried the whole giving thing, you know? We heard a message, okay, give some money, and so we gave some money. We were generous. We shared. And what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing happened. We didn't experience any more peace. We didn't experience any more of God. The only thing that happened is now we have less money in our account, and now we're more greedy, more envious, more fearful, less that we can control. What's up with that, right? Right? 
What if, rather than just putting a Band-Aid over, the, over the, the cut, what if rather than just taking medicine day after day after, what if we addressed the root cause first? What if we looked at the foundational problem first? Because I believe that the solution to, to adopting this new view of money towards putting our trust in God The solution to doing that is the same as the solution to every other problem that we will ever face. And if you have been a part of our church for a while, you can quote what I'm going to say next. The solution is to spend time with God. It is to build our relationship with him. The more we experience of God's presence, the more we enjoy our relationship with him, the more we are changed on the inside. And this is where this puzzle that we've been using the last few weeks, all googly eyes and all, this is where this really comes into play. It just helps me visualize this so well. That this puzzle, when it's completed, represents our lives. Fulfilled, satisfied, secure, at peace. When when every piece is in here and it's the picture that the puzzle is supposed to be, this represents us being complete on the inside, in our relationship with God, that we are the way that God designed us to be. The problem is, is most of us don't live with completed puzzles. My life looks more like this than a full picture. Does yours? Most of us have these empty, whoops, these empty spaces, these voids, this need, these needs that we have to feel fulfilled, to feel satisfied, to feel secure on the inside. We've got all these spaces, and we try tons of different things to fill the voids in our lives. Two weeks ago, we talked about how those of us who are married, we try and unfairly put our spouse in these voids in our lives that we think, if I, if I just marry the right person, if they're just the right spouse, or if I find the perfect husband or wife, then they will fill that need inside. But how that doesn't work. Last week, we talked about our, our subconscious way of using our kids to fill these needs for value or purpose or significance. If we just have kids, then we'll feel those things. But we do the same sort of thing with our money. We, we notice, we know in our lives, there's emptiness, there's something I'm missing, I don't feel fulfilled. And so what we do is we try and put money right there. Boom. And when we first glance at this, when we first glance at our lives, it looks like it kind of worked, doesn't it? There's less black that's visible. It seems like some of the emptiness is taken up. We feel pretty good. And maybe when we, when we make that purchase or when we add some more to our bank accounts or whatever it is we do with money to find satisfaction, when we take that step, initially, it feels good. It feels right. We're happy with that purchase. We walk with a little bit more, you know, kicking our step when we get that new car. But the longer we look at this picture, the, the, the more we are honest with ourselves, the more we realize, well, that didn't really fill me. I still have all these other needs. I, there's, there's still emptiness inside of me. And so what do we do? Well, we think, let's just put another one in. Let's just spend some more money. Let's just save some more money. Let's just use money to fill these spaces in our lives. And again, it works for a little bit. We get the newer, we get the bigger, we get the better, we get the faster, we get the whatever it is. And for a little while, that emptiness is numbed. We fool ourselves. But every single one of us could share a story. We could all stand up here and talk about, that didn't last, did it? It it may have fooled us for a little bit. It looked like it covered up some of the emptiness. 
but it didn't last. It didn't satisfy. It didn't do what we thought it would do. And so what do we keep doing? We just keep shoving more dollars in here because maybe eventually if I get enough, then I'll be fine. Maybe eventually if I can save enough, then I'll be fine. Maybe if I twist this one the right way, it'll take up some more space. And like, look, now I feel fulfilled, right? But it never works. No matter how much money we try to shove into these these voids in our life, we are never satisfied. And here's why. Because this isn't what the picture looks like. This isn't what our life looks like. There's still emptiness underneath. All those empty voids, that blackness is still there. We are just fooled into thinking, well, maybe that'll work for a little while. And then on the flip side, we hear things like give. Okay, give, and and I'll be fulfilled, right? Okay, so I'm going to take off a dollar, and I'm going to give it. And that didn't work, so I'm going to give a little more, and and maybe I'm going to give some to the Salvation Army at Christmas time. and, And guess what? Still empty. Still unfulfilled. I've still got these needs and voids in my life. Why doesn't money work? Because money cannot complete the picture of our lives. Money does not fulfill us. And this is where a relationship with God makes all the difference in the world. This right here, this this imagery is how we, I think, better understand how Jesus changes everything. In Philippians, the Apostle Paul describes his own life. And he says this, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing, or with everything, doesn't matter either side. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. How can I live like that? Because I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Just a few sentences later, Paul writes to the Philippians, and in turn, I think God says to us, hey, and my God, who generously supplies all my needs, he will supply all of your needs as well. And here's what I don't think we understand. We just read this verse in your Bible or we see it on a screen. Paul wrote these words while he was under house arrest. He was imprisoned. He didn't have his freedom. He didn't have a job. He had no way to make money. He didn't have some of the comforts that we have. In fact, the only way he was able to survive was on the generosity of his friends who would come and bring him things. And Paul still writes, but I'm content. I'm good. I'm fulfilled on the inside. I have found the secret. I have found how to be. It doesn't matter what everything else on the outside is like. Paul says, I'm good on the inside. My strength, my fulfillment, my peace, my security comes through Christ, through what he made possible, through this relationship with God that I get to enjoy now. And again, if if we look at the puzzle this is how I think so I think that plays out. Okay? Let's take all this money off. I better not sit on these thumbtacks. That's going to cause a problem later on. <clears throat> you and I, um, it is only in our relationship with God that these pieces finally come into place. It is only as we spend time with him that we enjoy being with him, that we talk to him, that we sense his presence, that he works in us, that these voids in our lives are fulfilled. Every single one of us, we have a need to be loved. 
It is just something that we were designed with as human beings. We long to be loved. And we can search for love in all the wrong places and all sorts of other relationships. But it's only in our relationship with God that we experience true love. That we experience unconditional love. And we can hear messages about God's love, and we can read about God's love in a book or the Bible. We can, you know, listen to a Christian radio song about love. But it is only as we spend time with God, as we experience Him, as we are with Him and He is with us, that that love becomes a part of our life. That now we start to live in the reality that we are loved and cherished by the God of the universe. That we don't need to work for love. We don't need to earn love. God loves us simply because of who we are. And that need inside is fulfilled. What we try to put money in here, we try to shove it in. Only God fulfills that need. Every single one of us, we have a need for acceptance, right? To be accepted for who we are. And, and we all, in different areas of life, we put on facades and shows and we, we wear a mask so nobody, not a COVID mask, but we wear a mask so that nobody knows who we really are. And, and maybe we can be a little more honest with some people and maybe we can share a little bit more with our spouse. But like, we all know there's nobody we can be truly honest and authentic with who will accept us just the way that we are, except God. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we are made totally right. And God welcomes us into a relationship with him just as we are. And that need for acceptance is fulfilled. Nothing else can take its place. No purchase, no amount of money, no retirement account does not complete the picture of our lives like God does. We've all got a need for peace, right? Many of us, we think we're going to find peace at the end of the rainbow. We just get that pot of gold. If I can just have enough money, then I can finally relax. Then I'll experience peace. Then I won't have so much anxiety, so much worry. It's a mirage. We've all tried how much is enough. Just a little bit more than what we got. We will never have that need fulfilled except with God where we experience a peace that surpasses understanding. It's what God promises to do in our lives. Where it doesn't matter what else is going on around our lives, we can be in a hurricane, a tornado, things can be falling apart all around, but that need is fulfilled, that void. We are satisfied in our relationship with God and we experience peace we, we all search for value. We want to feel valued. We want to feel like we have purpose and meaning. That only comes as we spend time with God, as we build our relationship with him, that, that we understand that it becomes a part of who we are, that we are made in God's image, that he knit us together in our mother's womb, that we are his masterpiece created in the image of God, meant to have a relationship with him. That value need that we all have is only fulfilled in God. And man, we, we can just keep going over and over. We all have a need for joy, not just temporary happiness, but actually true lasting joy that only comes in a relationship with God. We all have a need for forgiveness. Some of y'all need forgiveness more than others, but we all, we all need forgiveness for certain things, things we've done in our past. None of us want all of our thoughts displayed on the screen for everybody to read. The only place that we can find unconditional forgiveness is in a relationship with God. Is enjoying what Jesus gives us access to. 
And here's the thing. The more that these pieces are filled, the more that we experience of God's presence, the more time that we spend with him, the more our lives, come on, puzzle, the more our lives become the way that God designed them to be from the beginning, fulfilled in this relationship with him. And the way that you and I transfer trust away from money and onto God is by experiencing that God is trustworthy. That he is who he said he is. That he will do what he said he's going to do. By experiencing, knowing firsthand his love, his forgiveness, his joy, his gentleness, his purpose, his value, all those different things, we are fulfilled. It's almost like trust. Just imagine trust is like this limited commodity, right? We've got, we've got 100 bags of trust. When you and I experience more of God, it's like we put those bags of trust here. And when more bags of trust are here, guess where they can't be? In our money. It's like we have to tell ourselves or force ourselves, okay, just, just oh, don't do this and give it away and bad, bad, bad. No, 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 no. We are changed on the inside and our trust naturally goes more unto God. That's why Paul, this, this new view that we read earlier of money, he says this, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust their money, which is so unreliable. We should trust God who richly gives us all we need. Uh, tell them to use their money to do good. Be rich in good works, generous, share with others. By doing this, you and I, we can be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so we may experience true life. This generosity, this sharing, this new view of money, that's the change on the outside that God wants to see in us. But that change on the outside has got to start on the inside. It has to come from our place of being, of being secure, fulfilled, content, good on the inside because of God. The foundational approach to this new view of money is in a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And here's, here's the best part about all of it. Paul writes this just a few sentences earlier. He says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. The very thing you and I are searching for, that we are on the hunt for, trying to find contentment, trying to have peace, trying to be good on the inside, says that comes in this relationship with God, godliness with contentment, where we are satisfied. That is great wealth. Don't you want that? I mean, when we read what Paul wrote earlier about, hey, if we, if we, if we adopt this new thing, that's how we experience true life. Don't you want that? I mean, I know I do. I don't want my greed to rob me of experiencing true life. I don't want my envy and my jealousy to rob me of the fulfillment that God promises to give me. I don't want my old view, which is kind of my natural way, to steal what God promises to give in abundance and experience this true life as a result. What do you want? See, here's, here's, here's what I wish we could all get. Here's what, I, here's what I wish I could understand more. The more time we spend with God, the more we build our relationship with him, the more we allow him to change us on the inside, the better our lives will be. Regardless of what happens on the outside, regardless of any money things, 
We can be fulfilled and content on the inside when we let God build these pieces in our puzzle. And so I just want to encourage you, yeah, the thing to do, this Jesus changes our money, is to adopt this new view. But the way to do it is to build our relationship with our Heavenly Father that Jesus made possible. Let's not skip the root issue and just address the symptoms. Let's go to the source of fulfillment and security in God himself and allow everything else to be the overflow of that. Let's pray together before we head out. Father, um, thank you. Thank you for offering to fulfill us. Uh, We've done nothing to deserve that. We don't deserve for you to be so good in our lives. What we deserve is to be separated from you for all eternity. But you love us. You care about us. You want what's best for us. That's why you sent Jesus. And that's why now you offer us a relationship with you. Not just a knowledge about you. Not just studying about you. Not just following the rules. But a relationship with you where we can experience the glory of your presence. Where we can know that we know that we know the joy of being connected to you now and forever. Where we can live in the reality of being loved by you, the God of the universe. Father, that relationship that you, that you open yourself up for us to enjoy is so incredible. And God, I'm so sorry for the times I've missed it. I'm so sorry for for how little I take advantage of of this amazing, incredible gift that you offer. And Father, I pray for all of us in the room, everybody watching online. Father, I pray that you would would change us on the inside. May, May through your presence, through your Holy Spirit, may you soften our hearts. May you draw us close to you. God, may you speak to us audibly or to our hearts. I don't know, however you want to do it, but may you speak to us about your goodness and your fulfillment and your promise and and your love, all those things that we're searching for, may you reveal that more and more to us, that it's you. You're the prize. You're the treasure. You are where we find fulfillment and contentment and satisfaction. Father, today, this week, I just ask that you would draw each one of us into a closer relationship with you because of the forgiveness that we can experience in Jesus Christ. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have done. And thank you for what you will continue to do in us as we seek to grow our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.